And so we're beginning a new message series this week, this morning, in the book of First John, and um, written by an apostle, John, who walked with Jesus, right? Um, and we're starting this message series called, entitled Living in the Light. Um, and actually, it's, a, it's the first of three letters that uh, the Apostle John wrote. And we're going to be looking at what it means to walk with Jesus in 1 John chapter 1 this morning. Um, John, the apostle, the apostle, the actual disciple also of Jesus, he walked with Jesus. He touched Jesus. He spoke to Jesus. This is that same John that we talked about uh, around Easter and who saw Jesus after his resurrection and, and spoke with him and all those things. And, and he's speaking, he's writing this letter to first century Christians and also to us this morning. And he's calling them to walk with Jesus. They profess to know him. They profess to be uh, one of his. And he's, his call here, he's calling them to walk with him, to walk in the light in a world that's full of shadows, that's full of darkness, to walk in communion and obedience to Christ, who is the light of the world. And so we're going to start with 1 John chapter 1 and, and read together the whole chapter, but it's only 10 verses. So I'll start in verse 1. It says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testified to it, and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ." And we are writing these things so that your joy may be complete. Verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Let's pray together. Father God, take your word this morning. God, apply it to our hearts and lives. Holy Spirit, we invite you to move freely um, piercing our hearts with the truth of this passage. Lord, I don't have anything clever or smart enough to say this morning to change lives, to change eternities, but, but you do. And so I just ask you to speak this morning. May I decrease and you increase in Christ's name. Amen. So the title of this morning's message is Walking in the Light. Not too clever. So John, this, the disciple John, likely wrote this letter from Ephesus. Okay, which is um, modern day part of modern day Turkey during the decade of 90 AD after Jesus was crucified and rose from the grave 
about 90 AD. In the letter, 95 probably. The letter was uh, intended to be read by the church in Ephesus, right there where he was, but also to be, to be circulated, like many of his letters, to churches uh, around uh, the city of Ephesus. Ephesus was a wealthy, uh, highly influential port city in the Roman province of Asia. And it was renowned for its worship uh, of Diana. And it, they had the temple of Artemis was there for that. And so this community of Christians in Ephesus began to have false teachers arise uh, from among them, right? And these were infected and influenced by the prevailing climate. There were some philosophical trends that were going around in Ephesus and that part of the world at that time, particularly the rise of Gnosticism. The very beginning of it was happening right here. So Gnosticism, which is... Uh, influenced by such philosophers as Plato. It advocated a dualism, right? Meaning that matter was inherently evil and spiritual uh, was good. And the way that this philosophy started to get into the church and start to twist the gospel of grace was uh, they would, some would attribute deity to Jesus, right? They would say, okay, he, he definitely was God and definitely uh, appeared to be here, but he wasn't really a man. He couldn't have been a man because as soon as he took on flesh, boom, he's, he's corrupted. So there's no way that he could be man. This Gnosticism also, you know, uh, claimed elevated knowledge. And that may be what you know most about Gnosticism today, but a higher truth that th- only that those that were in a specific place could understand. Only, only those that were in on the deep things could understand. You had to be initiated into this mystical knowledge of truth that was higher than even Scripture. And so that presented a problem in the church. And the Apostle Paul uh, wrote uh, to the church in Acts, in Acts chapter 20, well before this time. He said, he warned of this happening to this very church. He said, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. So the Apostle Paul was speaking to the same church, and he knew that that was going to happen. And the first four verses of this chapter that we just read was originally one long sentence, right? Originally one long sentence. And in it, John is saying, listen, I know there's some stuff happening among you. I know there's some people saying certain things. They're distorting the gospel. But let me encourage you. Let me uh, let you in on something. I was there. I was with him. I touched him, right? I walked with him. He says in verse one, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands. He's telling them, I was there. So I have... um, My word is legitimate here. Listen to what I have to say. Don't get too smart for your own good. And that's kind of what was happening in Ephesus. Very, all these philosophies and philosophers would sit around us. One of the things they love to do in the day, we do it in the uh, coffee shops now, but they debate philosophy and talk about these things that we really don't, really don't fully understand, but we're going to talk about them and we're going (laughs) to... feel good about ourselves. He's saying, don't, don't get too smart for your own good. Don't try to put God, fit him in a comfortable box with our own understanding. That's, that's, that's a, 
That's a dangerous thing. When we take God and try to just fit him into what I already think or believe, that, lim- that makes God subject to us. That makes God really not worth much. If we can all just stuff him in a box. What we're saying is, I want a God that agrees with everything I think. And then in 10 years, guess what? And you've all been there. We're all old enough to have been there. You look back 10 years ago, man, I, was, I didn't know nothing. But we want to put God in whatever box we have right now in our lives. And he's saying, don't do that. I was there. Take the word for what it says. Take my message for what it is, the truth. And so don't hope in yourself. And that's what was happening is they were trying to build their own knowledge up. And so that was the danger. And that's the danger for all of us. Listen, that's how we've gotten in the condition that we're in in the world. We've said, God, thanks for everything, but no thanks. I'll take it from here, right? And, and for all of us today, none of us are above that. That's the wolf crouching at the door of all of our hearts. Like even if you've been a Christian for 20, 30 years, that, that desire, that, that default a lot of times during the day and, and seasons of life just to kind of take control of myself is always there. We have to guard against that. And he's saying, listen, don't put God in a box. The gospel is what the gospel is, the message of Jesus. He is who he said he is. And so we have to guard ourselves. And so he sets the stage by laying the foundation in those first four verses. I was there. Jesus is who Jesus said he was, the Christ. He came, lived, died, and rose again. He is the word of life, he says there in that passage. And then we get to verse 5. And he shifts a little bit to what that message of Christ is. And this is the message, he says in verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him, this one he was just talking about, Jesus, and that we proclaim to you. And it's the good news. It is that light has come into this dark world. He's writing to Christians here, professing Christians, and exhorting them to live in such a way that they are walking with Christ, walking with the one who they claim is their redeemer and their king. He's calling them to walk in the light of Christ. And in walking with Christ, listen, that's how we live life to our fullest. And that's what he's encouraging them here. So what can we learn? I want us to look at uh, three things here we can learn from John's word uh, about what it means to walk in the light of Christ. First, to walk in the light is to walk in fellowship. Okay, now I, I am careful about that word because anytime you say the word fellowship, it sounds kind of churchy, right? Like, yeah, we'll get together for some fellowship and a lot of, excuse me, a lot of people will uh, be like, what, what is that? What does that mean? But it's a biblical word and it's right here. And so uh, he says in verse three, he says it several times in just these few passages, few verses. He says in verse three, that which we have seen and heard, we, were, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. Verse six, again, he says, if we say we have fellowship with him, with Christ, and then in verse seven, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Awesome. We, uh, we talk a lot about relationship, right? We talked last, last uh, weekend on the, on the retreat, we talked about relationship. We're constantly talking about relationship because that's what it means to know God through Jesus Christ, right? Jesus was asked, what's the greatest command, right? Everybody's ears perked up. What is the greatest thing? He said, what? Love God with everything, 
and love your neighbor in that order. Those are two relationships. And oftentimes we neglect this relationship. We just want to go to this relationship. Let's just be the best that we can be. Let's just love each other. We all know how to be nice. Let's just do that. And we find over and over again, we see historically nation after nation, right? Falls. We just, we, we consume ourselves because we just can't do it because we leave out that first part. And so we talk about this relationship and that's what it is when you come to Christ is a relationship with God. But he talks about fellowship because you can be in a relationship and not have fellowship. The Greek word he uses here for fellowship is koinonia, right? It's derived from the word koinos, which literally means to have in common, to be in communion. It's a sense of being shared by all. In the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 44, it says, Now all who believed were together, had all things in common. This is the most intimate kind of relationship. Had all things in common. They use that same word there. This is an intimate walk. It's not just the relationship you have kind of with your doorman. or It's not just that kind of relationship. It's an intimate walk, communion. It's not an after-church get-together, you know, as we hang around and shake hands. And It's an active, living meaningful, as opposed to just religious relationship. That's what God desires for you and for me. That's amazing. I know most, most, most of us, we, we hear that and we think, yeah, that's nice to say, but we don't really grasp it. We don't even, some of us don't even believe it because it's like, what? That, that doesn't even make sense. But that's what he desires from you. He said, well, you don't know me. You don't know where I've been. No, no, no. He's calling you. He's calling me to have fellowship with him. This intimacy in this relationship. This past uh, weekend, we talked about abiding from John 15 on our retreat, abiding in Christ. Jesus used this picture. He said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. You can do nothing apart from me. Without being connected to the vine, we wither and die. And so that's the picture of being connected to Christ. And so John is saying, walk in the light. To walk in the light is to have fellowship with Christ, to be in communion with him. It's an intimate relationship. Allow the light of Christ. He uses this this word light. Allow it to invade my life, my heart, to penetrate. It's more than simply praying and asking God to do this or to do that or answer this need or answer that need, right? It's allowing him into every decision, every attitude, and every fear. He uses this picture of light. I was born in Miami, Florida, grew up in Florida and several places up and down in Florida. We were just talking about this the other day because it's about this time of the year. You walk in a, a house uh, oftentimes in Florida when I was growing up and you, you walk into a room and flick on a light and you, there's action. You see roaches. <laughs> Seriously, it's crazy, right? Uh, any of you from Florida, you may have that here too. I, we've got a pretty good exterminator, so we've, we've held them off. But you walk into a room, as soon as you turn on the light, the floor is moving, right? They get out of there. As soon as the light is on, see, Jesus wants to turn on the light in your heart and in my heart. We walk around, we have darkness in us, we have darkness, we have little dark corners that we don't want him to have. Jesus wants to come in and have that intimate relationship with us, engaged actively with us. To walk in the light is to walk with Christ, not from a distance. And Jesus made this possible on the cross, right? He made this possible. He covered our sin by dying on the cross that we might put our faith in what he has done and not our own good works. 
But it's more than a get out of jail, a get out of hell free card. This relationship with Christ. It's more than just being in a religious community or, or to try and make me a better person or whatever. But that I would be transformed. God sent, the Father sent Christ to transform you and to transform me. Jesus does that. The Spirit of God moving in you and me. He guides, He speaks, He changes me. See, when we think of the dark places within us, we don't want God or anyone else in there, right? In John 15, we talked about something last week. It says, if you don't produce fruit, it says that he, the translation we had says that he takes away the branch, but actually what that word means in the original language is he lifts up when I'm not producing fruit. He lifts me up, puts me in the light. He's constantly drawing me. He's constantly transforming me. He's constantly calling me closer. He's for me. He's for you in this relationship. He wants us to grow, produce fruit. He doesn't come to trample us. You know, they tease me at home and tell me that I'm the atmosphere police. My wife, Tony, tells me that all the time. And I kind of am. If I walk in a room and there's like harsh lighting or whatever, the first thing I do, I don't care if I have my arms full, I'll drop everything, go turn off some lights, turn on these. You notice we have a lot of little light. I kind of like that. I feel like we're in a movie or something. You know what I mean? It just is soothing. People come into my office all the time like, what? where are you at, Steve? I'm like, oh, over here. But there's something about that. You know why it's soothing? It's soothing because it, it, it dims out all the, the marks on the wall, all the garbage in the corner. Instead of cleaning up, I can just dim the lights a little bit. And then I only see what I want to see, maybe what's on my, on my desk, right? But see, many of us, we do that in our own lives. We're like, yeah, I'll, I'll take a little religion. I'll take a little Jesus. But listen, don't, don't, don't get too involved. Don't shine your light too deeply on me. I don't want to get too involved in this. I don't want to get too involved with Christ. I, want, I got a life to live, right? But Jesus says, I want every area of your heart. I want to give you victory. I want to give you a life and heal you that you never thought was possible. But also to walk in the light, he says here, is to have fellowship with one another. And here's a, here's a, uh, here's a truth. War and hatred and conflict and, and hatred and racism is all a result of us not walking in the light. It's all a result of us, mankind, being disconnected from God. Seeking to do this on our own. And it's important because Christians, listen, if we don't have fellowship with one another, then one of us or both of us is not walking in the light. That's what he says here. Two Christians who are in the light, they're in this right relationship with God, will also naturally be rightly related to one another. Of course, we we could say, yeah, that's true. I, I wish everybody else would hurry up and get in the light. But if you're in constant conflict, if you go from one conflict to another, the question is, am I walking with Christ? Am I allowing him to shine his light on every part of my heart? Am I in this intimate relationship? And so it's critical for us to to determine whether we are or not. Because Jesus works through you. He works through you. We're a gift to one another from God, right? In the family of Christ. That's why we have small groups. That's why we have D groups. We press into each other's lives and fellowship with one another, have all things in common. But oftentimes we don't want that. We separate from that because we'd rather walk with people who are harmless to us, right? Rather just walk 
with people that are just like, hey, how you doing? Good. You're good. I'm good. Yeah. All right. We're all good. See ya. No foul, no harm, right? But God wants to get into the deepest places of our hearts, into that darkness. So it means walking in the light means fellowship. Walking in the light also means walking in the light. Verse 5 says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. What John is saying is this fellowship he's talking about, this relationship is centered and dependent on God's character, not on my character, right? God who is light and in him is no darkness. And that's hard for us to grasp, right? That's hard to grasp. But see, he is the guarantor of this fellowship, of this relationship, of your relationship with him. It's not, it's not the work that you can do. It is faith by us in his power. He guarantees it. Listen to how Moses describes God as light in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 24. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. There's a couple things I want us to see here. A consuming fire. God is a consuming fire. That's a description of his holiness. That's the reason for him being this consuming fire. The holiness of God is that part of his nature that most separates him from sinful man. And Moses here is warning the Israelites. He's saying, listen, if you bow to unholy idols, they'll be burnt up. Unholiness cannot cannot survive in the presence of holiness. It will be burnt up. And he says they're a jealous God. What does that mean? It means he's passionate about his glory. He he desires to display his glory in you and in me, in our relationships with one another. And so to walk in him is to adjust to him. This relationship he calls us to, this fellowship, this intimacy is about us adjusting to him. Now, many people just say, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks. I'm I'm not adjusting to anyone else. And that's great. And we live our lives the way that we're going to live our lives. And one day we will stand in his presence and give an account. Because this relationship is actually, for many people, it's very unappealing, right? This intimacy. It's, it's funny. Many people that I talk to and I talk about a relationship, they may have been religious in their life growing up and all this thing. I start talking about a relationship and say, whoa, 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 what is that? Relationship? That's weird. Is that, like I go to church, I do my thing, I light the candle, whatever, and I'm gone. What are you talking about this relationship? He calls us to this intimate relationship. For some people, that sounds terrible. That sounds like uh, it's the same as um, telling an eighth grader they can have a personal relationship with the assistant principal, right? It's like, what? No, this holy God you're talking about, this consuming fire, this powerful God. But that's because we misunderstand the character of God, right? We're a little uncomfortable today when we think about someone or something saying they have all power, right? They're all powerful, We push back because we have seen authority and leadership abused, right? We've seen it misused. We've been disappointed and hurt over and over again, but that is not who God is. God is all-powerful. He brings glory to himself through loving you and loving me. He is love, the Bible says, in its essence, Later in this uh, letter, later in this book, we will study in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. It says that God is love. 
See, this is an intimate relationship, not just of a, of a, you know, a, a doctor and a patient. It's this intimate relationship of love. If we could grasp how much God loves us, we see it in the garden. We see it all through scripture. God pursues in his love. We run. He pursues. We run. He pursues all the way to the cross. <clears throat> Romans 5.8 says, <clears throat> At the cross, God demonstrated his love for you and for me. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so, yes, he's holy. He's righteous. He's all-powerful. He is shining his light into your heart and to mine to expose those dark areas, to expose the darkness. But that's because he's pursuing this deep, intimate relationship with you, this walk with you and with me. And he wants us to draw us into that relationship, but we can't have it in our sinfulness, right? Scripture talks about a few pictures of this beautiful relationship that, that God calls us to. Psalm 116 one says, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy, because he's inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. The New Living Translation says, he bends his ear to me. That's an amazing thought. When you pray, God bends his ear. That means he's doing this. He's listening. He wants to know your cares and concerns. He's, he's calling us to himself. Psalm 139. Oh, if you get a chance, just read that whole psalm. He says, you have, the psalmist says, you have searched me, Lord. You know me. You know when I sit. You know when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. He goes on to say, you hem me in before and behind. God is with us. God loves us. God cares for us. We have this idea of this, this judge or this police officer who's, who's not righteous and who is just flexing his power on us. But that's not God. His, in his power is perfect love. And he demonstrated that through Jesus. And he's calling us into this relationship that's like no relationship you'll ever have. And that's who he is. And this means um, if there's a problem with my fellowship with God, if there's a break in that relationship, if, I, if it seems stale or I feel like I can't hear God, it's my fault. There's no shadow. There's no darkness in him. There's no fault in him. This is important to understanding. And this is a thing that in, my, in our modern culture is very difficult to grasp because we've seen so many fall, even Christians, even pastors, even every, every organization, institution, we've seen the leadership fall. And so we have kind of a, a scarred vision of what it means to be all powerful and to, to come in submission and vulnerability. That's, that's tough for us. Yet, Jesus, again, today is calling us, come closer, come walk with me. So walking in the light means fellowship. Walking in the light means walking in the light. And then finally, walking in the light means not walking in the dark. I thought about these a lot. Verse 6, he says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And then in verse 10, he says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Listen, this, this is the point that's hard for many to swallow. But the bottom line is why we're not walking in the light is sin. Christian, it's sin. If there's not an intimate fellowship there, there's sin. 
He created us with this design to be connected to him, to walk with him, to be a demonstration of his glory, to be in a loving relationship with him. But sin disconnected us. Everybody wants to talk about what specific sin. Are you calling this a sin or is that? Listen, our rejection of God is the sin that separates us from God. That's what it is. You can take all the stuff. You go, well, I don't want to give this up or that. Look, forget about that. Recognize God as God and Christ as his redemptive offering for your sin and put your faith in that. And he will do the sorting out in your heart and in your life. No, no, uh, no judge on this earth will do that. The Holy Spirit will do that. He's still doing that in me. Christian, he's still doing that in you. We're all in the same boat. John is confronting some Christians here that have a false claim to fellowship with Christ some self-righteousness. Yes, I'm good. Yes, I'm the one. Watch me. It's called self-deception. It's not necessarily a problem that he has heard about in this particular church. It's a universal truth. It's true with us today. It was true with them. And what John is saying is that sin breaks that communion, that fellowship, this, this ideal relationship our sin breaks it. It breaks the abiding we talked about last week. This, this communion with God. And then we end up living like orphans. Christians, Jesus has given us a relationship with the Father. He's a father to the fatherless. We can walk with him. We can trust him in a, in a daily manner, every moment of every day. And when we don't abide in him, when we don't walk with him, that's sin. We turn our backs saying, no thanks, and, and we live like orphans, and we don't have to live like orphans from our Heavenly Father. So here's the truth. We all struggle with sin, right? Everyone in this room. Maybe some of you don't struggle with sin. You should, because it's there. Listen, we will never be perfect. Any Christian or any, any, of any religion that tells you, listen, I've gotten there, I'm, a, I'm at that place of enlightenment, and so I'm all good, lies not true or it's self-deception none of us are there and we live in a fallen world we live in fallen bodies and we'll continue in that struggle yes christian i'm speaking to you john is speaking to christians and the fact that john says here if you say you have no sin that's a lie that's what he says that's a lie so he's thinking of terms of truth and lies listen that's difficult today i know that um i know that we don't want to accept truth. We, everybody, we all want to have our own truth. You know what that gets us? War. Because there's people on the other side of the world who got their truth, and their truth may conflict with your truth. A loving God would not leave us to just make up our own castles and our own armies. He said, no, there is truth. And the truth is, I am holy, perfect, you can trust me, and I'm reaching out to you. I want to walk with you. I want to have a relationship with you. But you've all turned your back on me. And that's why I sent Jesus. The truth is that we're all sinners. But listen, Christian, we come to Jesus to be justified, right? We are justified in Christ. I'm not talking about work salvation. here. There's, no, there's nothing you can do to earn your way into heaven. None of us are righteous enough. None of us are religious enough. None of those things. That's why Jesus came. So we're justified by putting our faith 
in the finished work on the cross, what Christ has done. He's covered us with his blood. But, but John speaks here of a walk in darkness. He says, if we claim to have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, this is a pattern of living. It's a pattern. Perfection in regards to not sinning ever is not possible in this fallen world, in this fallen body. But an intimate, close relationship with God through Christ is. The original word for sin here means to miss the mark, right? To miss God's plan, God's will. And when we're disconnected from the light, when we choose to walk on our own, then we're just walking in darkness. We're just guessing. We're trying to do our best. And we stay in cycles of brokenness and move from one to the next. Listen, the question today is not whether or not we sin. We do. I do. You do. But am I walking in it? Have I accepted it as a fact in my life? And I, that thing over there in that dark corner, just leave it alone. I, I do all this other stuff that's great. And listen, you'll never know the joy that is this abundant life that Jesus came to bring us by, by stu- stuffing things in the corner and dimming the lights in our hearts. He's got so much more planned for me, for my family. Don't abide in the sin. Sin does not have the power to keep you from this relationship, from this fellowship with Christ. But my hard heart does when I refuse to to give him my sin. He says in verse 9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah! That's good news. The hardest part about that is me admitting that I'm broken. The theologian John Trapp said, No man was ever kept out of God's kingdom for his confessed badness. Many are for their supposed goodness. What John is talking about here is an active life of confession. To confess means to literally to to say the same as, right? So the meaning is that we should keep on confessing sin. Christian, that should be a normal part of my prayers. And I'm not talking about like Job. You know, remember Job said, yeah, and you know, just in case anybody else has sinned, my kids, you know, forgive them as well. No, it's this intimate walk, this honesty with God. That's the way to have a, a, a close relationship. And, and it's tricky because Christians, sometimes we get fooled into thinking we have these giant difficulties in our life, these things that are kind of front and center that we know are not pleasing to God and know that we get we feel conviction on them. But there's other things that we've kind of numbed in our lives that we don't even realize. Mark Devers, a pastor, says, some of you need to repent of your personality. Whoa, he's, he's pretty rough. But, I mean, what he's saying there is true. Some of us, we don't even realize it. We've just said, I, I've told you this story when I was in college and I was the, you know, I'd come out of a pretty rough life and I was kind of loud and obnoxious and I was going to Bible college and all these things, and I was trying to be funny, and I was teasing everybody, and some guy got, a, got me aside and said, hey, man, you know, he did it in a very loving way. You know, I think God's going to use you in great ways. You know, it's just, it's so good that you can be an encouragement to everybody, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he walked away, and I was just like, yeah, no, wait a minute. He just uh, rebuked me, I think, because <laughs> I wasn't being an encouragement to everybody. Because I had always thought, well, I'm just funny. Too bad. That's how God made me. You're just jealous because you don't have what I have. And what I realized, God convicted me like, no, I, I want to be more and you less. 
I want to demonstrate myself in your life. To your wife, to your children, they don't need to see you. You're not as funny as you think you are anyway. And you're hurting people's feelings and you're doing this and that. And I just always thought, well, I, I think I'm a nice guy. But I had to put my life, my personality, the things that I kind of took pride in, I put them on the altar and said, God, take what you want. And he's still taking. Part of walking in the light is allowing the Spirit of God access to shine that light, this picture of light, into every corner of my life. And listen, this is important. You're not forgiven because you confess, right? Otherwise, none of us, none of us know every sin that we commit, right? Therefore, we'd never be forgiven. We're forgiven by the blood of Jesus, right? We accept, God, I can't do this. I accept what Christ has done for me. And then our record is expunged. We are made right before a holy God. But the sin that keeps us separated from God is remedied by His Son, Jesus Christ. He says that in verse 7. The blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. That's what cleanses us from all sin. That's what makes our record right before God. That's a great, that's a great sentence right there. The blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Charles Spurgeon said this about this passage. He said, Observe here, nothing said about rites and ceremonies. It does not begin by saying, And the waters of baptism together with the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us. No, not a word. Whether it shall be the sprinkling in infancy or immersion of believers, nothing is said about it. It is the blood, the blood only, without a drop of baptismal water. Nothing is here said about sacraments, what some call the blessed Eucharist. It's not dragged in here. Nothing about eating bread and drinking wine. It is the blood, nothing but the blood. So we don't have to earn that. That's good news. God has given us forgiveness in Christ, set us right. Because when I accept what Christ has done for me, this is what I'm telling God. I'm no longer looking at myself or the world for peace and for truth. I'm looking to you and I accept the blood of Christ. And this is a kicker for me because all of this, true, all of this is true about God's holiness, His power, his worthiness, and our unworthiness to stand in His presence. And in the middle of all that, we just talked about God's perfection and our sin. In the middle of all of that, He desires an intimate, personal walk with us. He wants to be involved in your life because He created you with a purpose. He wants to rescue me from all the world's lesser loves that are calling to me, that are often so destructive, abusive, unfaithful, the swipe left or right kind of love. He, has, he offers a love that is so far greater than anything we can experience on our own. And listen, this world, we, we, all of us have been through so much disappointment. We have so many different stories here. Our family fails us. Our friends fail us. Our bosses fail us. Our government fails us. I could sit right there for a while. But... Um, <laughs> Our spiritual leaders fail us over and over. So many have given up on trusting anybody. But listen, here's the good news. God doesn't change. God has always been. He always will be perfect, holy, loving, and gracious. Reaching for you and for me to be in this relationship. And he's made a way through Jesus. 
See, this is the intersection of God's holiness and his love is Jesus on the cross. That's why he came. John 3, 16, for God so loved. So he's saying God looked at the earth. He so loved every one of us that he sent Jesus that if we would put our faith in him, we could be saved. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrated his love and that way we're still sinners. Christ died for us. Thank you. This whole, in this, in this passage, the whole first four verses are the gospel. He's preaching to us. So we see sin is that hindrance to fellowship. And the blood of Jesus received by faith is the payment for our sin. It solves the problem of sin before a holy God, but it opens the way and it opens a way to fellowship with God that I can walk with him. Remember when Jesus was crucified? He said it is finished and the veil in the temple was torn in two because only the priest could go into the presence of God. What a beautiful picture. God says, no, you can come right to me. Come all the way. Come all the way through what Christ has done for us. You can't come to fellowship with God through philosophical speculation. You can't come through intellectual education. You can't come through religion and piety. It's through Christ. And so, so what? Well, first of all, this morning, if you're here and you've never come to the cross of Jesus for forgiveness, you've never said, God, I... I I agree, I am a sinner. I am broken. I have, I have failed. And, I, and I, I, I believe that Jesus died on the cross to save me from that. And I put my faith in him for that, I, not in myself. He says, you'll be saved. He says, he'll, he'll cover you with the blood of Christ. And what John is saying here is the thing that keeps you from walking in the light once you've entered into that relationship and living in that intimate fellowship is sin. Colossians 3, 3 through 5 is an interesting passage of Scripture as I head towards closing here. It says, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. That right there is a description of this beautiful, wonderful, completed salvation in Jesus Christ. In Him, I will stand healed before the Father in glory. But he goes on in verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire. Fill in the blank. Put it to death. Those that are, those that are Christians, they are marked because we should be at war with sin. We should be at war on sinning. That's the mark of us should be to put them to death in our lives, not to just accept it and say, you know what, I'm saved, and not to say, well, some people are worse than me. You should have seen how I used to be. None of those things. He's saying closer, come closer, walk with me. And so you may say, well, how do I know I'm sinning this morning? How, how do I know I'm sinning? Romans 5.5 5 says, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. The Holy Spirit, believer, is, is within you. And he has shed, shed the light of Christ, his love, and it's working in you. He's calling to you. Be sensitive to the calling of the Holy Spirit. 1 Peter 1 says, it's the sanctifying work of the Spirit leading us in obedience to Christ. There is, there is one who is working in you. He's moving in you this morning. He's, he'll move in you as we leave this place and as you enter in maybe some of those dark places in your own life. You get alone. You say, you know what? That part of you that says, maybe, maybe I'm not 
walking in fellowship? Maybe I'm not in a relationship. Should I consider this? All of that's the Holy Spirit working in your heart and life. He says, be sensitive to it. Allow him to, to, to work in you. Show me. Even in a prayer this morning, you could just pray right where you are. Lord, show me where I'm falling short. And then obey, even when it's inconvenient. When he begins to show you things in your own life about your, maybe your personality, don't get defensive like, I'm the king of that. Well, wait a minute. Obey. Listen, because listen, this is what you're created for. I know some people think, ah, this whole religious thing. It's, you're here this morning. You are on this earth because it was God, you were God, God's idea. That's why you're here. And so we're, we're making this work you know, disconnected from God as much as we can. And then as Christians, we, we hear the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. We say, yes, I want Jesus. I want, I want forgiveness of sin. We, we take that and then we, we continue on our way, just kind of trying to figure things out. That's not what we were designed for or created for. So finally, why should you walk in the light? Verse four, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. What he's saying there is our joy. He's talking about them, John, and those in Ephesus, all of them, that our joy may be complete. Your joy will never be complete in this world, in this life, until we are walking with Christ. Jesus said, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jim Elliott said, who's a, was a missionary, was murdered for his faith and for trying to bring the the gospel around the world says what a brutish master sin is taking the joy from one's life. Listen, we, I know how it is. We spend our days, so much of our time and energy trying to make our lives better, trying to make our situations and circumstances better, trying to find joy. Listen, come to Christ, walk with Christ and your joy will be full. And this is the thing, Christian, you may say, well, okay, what's the takeaway here? The takeaway is you're a sinner. That's what he says here. I'm a sinner. So he's saying, confess it. Confess. And if you don't know what it is, ask God to show you what it is. So this life of constantly confessing my sin, it's not groveling. It's not groveling. It's a joyful relationship. Listen, I don't have time. I know it's another sermon. I can tell you the whole story of my life. And I can tell you, I've been there, done that. This is, this is joy walking in truth of who God is and who I am and his love for me. So let me encourage you today. Walk in the light. Walk with Christ. It's the only way to live life to the fullest. It's a relationship. It's fellowship. It's seeing God for who he is and and coming to him as his child. Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace and love. Thank you, Lord, that you continue to shine your light on our hearts Lord, through your Holy Spirit, through your word, you, you speak and you're, you're whispering our names again this morning. Every person in here, you're whispering their names. You're saying, come to me, come closer. Lord, we don't want to live disconnected from you because we know that the only way to live with true, full joy is to walk in the light of Christ. And so wherever those dark corners are, whatever those things are that we're struggling with, and God, those things that we don't even know that are in us, that maybe are offensive, maybe are hurting other people, or maybe are offending you. Lord, show us that. Show us that. We long to be obedient. 
Lord, may we press into you today. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that we can always come boldly to your throne for help in our time of need. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.